Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. We're often afraid of different things. A lot of people are afraid of confronting other people. I think a lot of people are afraid of that, aren't they? If you know you have to talk to them about something, do you want to do that? Make that call to that cable company who has been driving up the wall or meet somebody or maybe even a friend, maybe even a family member, even sometimes just talking to people. It's hard. Uh, We're afraid of being rejected. We're afraid of being hurt. We're afraid we won't be able to say the right thing to uh, convince them or to to, to make enemies. It's just uh, not good. God did create us to be social creatures, and it's just not the natural thing. We're also afraid to confront problems. Problems are like, what do we do about them? Uh, How do we face them? Uh, They're coming to our lives unplanned. I didn't know this was coming, and here it is, and what do I do about it? And, of course, there's a big problem of confronting ourselves, facing our own insecurities, our own shortcomings, our own uh, sins, our own mistakes. How, how do we do that? Well, there is somebody that shows us how, and that's Jesus. Our Lord, our Savior, he came for us, uh, and he's going to, he does. He shows us how he can deal with these things. Um, in our story we're going to look at today, and Jesus gives Peter a great catch of fish. And it helps Peter then to, he looks at himself. And then Jesus takes him through this and he comes out following Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> so we're going to look at this. Jesus shows us how to face ourselves. We started, we're going to look at Matthew, Luke chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So we find ourselves on the shores of the sea, what is normally called the Sea of Galilee. I think we, that's what we normally would call it. Right up, uh, let's see, right up there is the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is fed by the Jordan River, which starts up north and then flows through the Sea of Galilee, then back down and into the Dead Sea down here. The Sea of Galilee itself uh, <coughs> is the uh, is 700 feet below sea level. It's the lowest freshwater lake in the world. And that's where we find ourselves here. But this is where Jesus did a lot of his ministry. He had moved his uh, headquarters to the city of or town or whatever, Capernaum, which was on the shores of the lake, about, you know, maybe about in here, I think, something like that, um, which is a centrally located area because the Sea of Galilee was kind of the center of the area uh, uh, called Galilee. Much of his ministry took place here. Peter also had his home. Simon Peter had his home here. 
And the text of our, uh, the, the events in our text probably took place not too far from Capernaum on the shores of this lake. And as had become customary, people were crowding around Jesus. Um, this was early in his ministry, but already people were crowding around. They wanted to hear him. Well, he had already done some miracles, too. He'd healed some people. And so people were, were drawn to him for that reason. Uh, <clears throat> now, Jesus had grown up in, in uh, uh, Nazareth, not too far from here, up in the mountains more, and probably worked as a carpenter like his, his stepfather had for the first 30 years of his life in relative obscurity. But he had been studying God's Word, Already at age 12 in the temple, he was astounding his teachers at his understanding and knowledge of Scripture. And he continued to study. And then at 30, after he was baptized by John the Baptist, and then he started on his work of being a rabbi, of being a recognized teacher. And he was showing himself to be a, a very powerful teacher who knew his stuff, and, and people wanted to, to hear him. Uh, <clears throat> and so, uh, but here we see that it wasn't just the miracles. The people were listening to the word of God. That's what they were gathering around him to do. He taught in the Sabbath, uh, in the synagogues, but he also taught in the open air, like here. And it was getting hard to teach, so he found a boat. There's a boat by the side of the lake, owned by Simon Peter. Of course, this wasn't coincidence. Jesus had this all planned, how he was going to uh, do, do, um, do this teaching here. This boat had been out on the lake all night. Its occupants trying to catch fish, but they didn't catch any. Many of you are fishermen, you probably know what that's like. Uh, although some of you just go out there just to relax, right? But uh, they were, this, was their, this was their livelihood. And uh, they had caught nothing, but now they were cleaning their nets. And Jesus asked Peter, push it a little away from the land. And he used it like a pulpit or a lectern, except... Uh, the custom in those days was that the teacher sat down and the listeners stood up. Should we, should we try that? I'll sit down and... No, okay. <laughs> we, will, we will keep doing it this way. Uh, and so Jesus continues to teach from the boat uh, until he is done. His listeners are paying rapt attention, but he finished the lesson that he, he wanted to teach. Uh, <clears throat> but now he had a different kind of lesson they wanted to teach Peter in particular, but these the other men that he was calling to be his apostles. Uh, and so the things continue this way. So when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, by this time, Peter did know Jesus. This isn't the first time they met. Uh, they had met down uh, by the uh, Jordan River when John the Baptist was working. Uh, his, uh, Peter's brother Andrew, we don't know if he was there this day because he's not mentioned, had introduced Peter to Jesus after talking to him and saying, we have found the Messiah. So they got to know him there. There was another time when he was called. And, uh, uh, <clears throat> so, and he had already witnessed some of the miracles. In fact, Probably, we're not always sure of the chronology, Jesus had healed Peter's mother-in-law by this time. So when Jesus tells him, go out in the deep water in the middle of the day 
and let down your nets. Peter says to himself, you know, this is not the way you fish. But because, Jesus, because you say so, I'm going to do that. So without hesitation, he explains to Jesus why he was, you know, what was happening. But without hesitation, he, he does what Jesus says. And then what happened? When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Very simple, factual words that, that Luke uses here to tell this story of the events of what happened there. But it was a very amazing thing especially for fishermen who, who knew these waters and had, had, had much experience in doing these things, um, all these fish came together in this net. And they started scooping them up, bringing them into the boat. And they realized this boat's not going to hold them all, so they call another boat, probably the boat of uh, James and John. And they filled that boat up too. It turned out, though, there was just the exact right number of fish that Jesus had put in there. The nets began to break, but they didn't. The ship, uh, the boats began to sink, but they didn't. They all got safely back to land with all those fish, just the right number that Jesus had put into their nets. This was overwhelming to Peter and to the others with him. More so than any other miracle that, that Peter had witnessed, uh, even the healing of his mother-in-law, because this was something right out of his life, and something he had just, just struck him that way. Uh, <clears throat> so here it was, what we see here is Jesus was showing his divine power. Showed it to Peter, the people around him, and as we're listening, we see it too. His divine power. You know, he had been a fisherman, but he had never done anything like this. Sometimes in the, in the face of greatness, we see our own shortcomings, our own weaknesses. Uh, are any of you guys good at football? You think you can throw a pass really well? I don't know if there's anybody like that. Until you get in the presence of someone like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, uh, and you see them with their pinpoint accuracy, there's a video, I couldn't get it up here, so, but of, of uh, Aaron Rodgers, throwing a football 50 yards into a bucket about this big. 50 yards. I didn't get it the first time, but... Now, if you're, you think you're a good football, you watch that, you say, whoa, I'm not very good. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> or you may think, I know a lot of trivia. People accuse me of that. I forget the important things, but remember the trivia. But... If you're in the presence of uh, uh, Amy Schneider or uh, Ken Jennings, if you've ever heard of Jeopardy, you know that's, they're pretty famous. How, could you go toe-to-toe -to -toe with two other contestants 40 times or 72 times in a row and always answer more questions quick, more quickly than they? And you say, oh, I really don't know that much compared to them. Or maybe you think you're, I'm a pretty good singer. But if you'd get in the presence of someone like Mariah Carey, who has a five-octave range, gets up what's called a whistle register, it's just 
powerful stuff. You see, in the presence of greatness, you start to see, ah, I'm just nothing. And that's what Peter was seeing. Uh, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> what Peter, again, Peter had seen a lot of fish, but he'd never seen anything like this. It just overwhelmed him to the depths of his soul. And he knew that he was in the presence of God himself. This man, Jesus, whom he had come to know, even confessed him as, as the Messiah, uh, he's God, all-powerful, almighty God, right here in the boat with me. The one who created the universe, he's right here in the boat with me. And so he started feeling his sins in the presence of the almighty God. He was, you know, maybe a pretty good person. Maybe he had some sins that he had to, that, that came back to him, some bad sins. Or maybe it was just more general sins. When the presence of perfection, you know, uh, <coughs> uh, <coughs> sorry, I just lost my place here. You know, it, 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 it may be he just started thinking about those words which slipped out of his mouth at an inappropriate time. Maybe he had family members that just weren't the right words to say. Maybe those thoughts, envious thoughts maybe, uh, other thoughts that just weren't the appropriate thing to think about. Uh, <coughs> maybe... The priorities. You know, he was supposed to be doing something and, well, I'm sure he didn't go into an internet rabbit hole, but, uh, uh, you know, things that hadn't gotten the right priorities, all those things started to, he started to see those things in, in contrast to the all-perfect, all-knowing, all-holy God that was before him. And it overwhelmed him. And so... <clears throat> We read, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. This is what overwhelmed him. So what Jesus was doing here was showing Peter his sinfulness through this almighty act. Now, sometimes Jesus shows sinfulness through, you know, it makes you sick or something like that. But this is through greatness, through good things. Peter was able to see his sinfulness. And so he shouts out, you know, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. He confesses his sin. He realizes it, and now he confesses it. And, <clears throat> and that was Jesus' goal. He wanted him to confess his sin, to recognize his sin, his, his need for, for something else. It's the first step in turning away from sin is to confess it, to recognize it. And then we read on, and then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. Now, does this mean that Jesus says, that sin's not that important? Don't worry about it, it's nothing. No, that's not what it means. It means Jesus forgave him his sin. 
the one, this holy one standing in the boat with him, is the one who had come to this earth to pay the price for his sin. To hang on that cross, to face his father's rejection as the price for the, his sins and the sins of, of all people. Um, now this is brought out in that reading from Isaiah we just heard too. Uh, where he has a similar situation, confronted with the greatness of God uh, and his holiness, and then in a special way, oh, he confesses, I am a sinful man, I'm sinful lips, just as Peter had. Uh, and then what does God do for Isaiah? He sends an angel that takes a coal. He says, uh, from the from the altar, the altar of sacrifice for sins, and puts it on Isaiah's lips. And he says, your guilt is taken away, your sin is atoned for. So we see this step in here that we don't hear with Jesus and Peter, but it's there too. Uh, now, on that, he's already now declared holy in God's eyes because that sin has been wiped clean. And the same with Peter. That sin now is, is gone. And Isaiah was ready to be called as the prophet. And he says, who's going to go for us? And, and he says, yeah, send me. And so <clears throat> when, Peter, when Jesus called him, he said, they pulled their boats up to the shore and left everything and followed him. That overwhelming feeling of sinfulness that Peter was feeling is gone. Jesus summed it up and simply said, do not be afraid. But his sins were forgiven, and, and now he told Jesus to go away, and now he wants to be close to Jesus. He feels he's worthy to be close to Jesus because yeah, he has been declared holy. Um, ready to leave everything and follow Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> they left that big catch of fish. That wasn't going to waste because uh, James and John's father, Zebedee, was there. There, are other, there were other workers around, and so they were able to take care of them. But that was quite a haul. That would have been quite an a inflow of cash for them to sell all those fish. No. They were ready to leave it all because Jesus had said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Uh, <clears throat> so another truth we learn here is that Jesus showed Peter Empowering forgiveness. It isn't just that his sins were cleansed and clean and wiped clean, but it empowered him to follow Jesus. That's what forgiveness does. It changes things. It changes your life. And Peter's, it changed Peter's life dramatically because from then on, uh, he was going to be serving the Lord up until he probably was executed for for confessing Jesus. Now what? What do we do with this? This is an interesting story, but what, what do we do with it? Uh, we're going to turn from the shores of Lake Genezareth to the streets of Jacksonville. Uh, Jesus too, wants to teach us. Teach us how to face ourselves, how to confront ourselves, as Peter did. He wants to show us greatness. So th think about some of the great things that the Lord has done. Now, maybe you have been, he has shown you some great things. Maybe there was some, uh, <clears throat> something that you would call miraculous. So perhaps a miraculous healing of some, from some disease or, 
or being saved from some disaster or some accident that maybe you should have been killed in or uh, maybe it's an amazing job opportunity you didn't think you deserved or uh, the family you have, a spouse and children, amazing things that, that God has, has given you. Recognize those as coming from your Savior, Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> you can also look around you. Look at the sky, day or night. Amazing things you can see in the sky. Uh, <clears throat> look at the flowers, look at the trees around you. Look at the ocean and its power. Look at your spouse and children. And if you look closely, you will see amazing things that your God has done for you. Amazing things that your Savior has provided for you. Recognize these, you know, the colorful sunset, the powerful ocean, the beautiful children before you. Recognize the amazing good things that are coming to you from Jesus. And recognize that really the amazing God is standing right here with you. Right here with us now. With you, wherever you go. The amazing, all-powerful God. Um, you are standing in the presence of greatness far surpassing anything you can do, anything you have earned. And, <clears throat> and then as you see this greatness before you, see yourself. I am a sinner. You are not perfect like God, not even close. Now, maybe you haven't murdered anyone. Maybe you haven't robbed a bank. Or maybe you have. You have to face that. But maybe, uh, you know, other times when you didn't curb your tongue, when you should have, or times you should have spoken out and you didn't and let somebody else suffer the consequences. Maybe there are unkind thoughts that have welled up in your mind about other people, maybe even family members, maybe even your spouse. Um, <clears throat> maybe there are times when you should have done things, but you didn't. You should have done something else instead of what you did. Priorities got mixed up. Uh, <clears throat> and you realize then, you're an imperfect person standing before the Almighty God. And so maybe you cry out, Go away from me, Lord, because I am a sinful person. Isaiah said about the same thing, didn't he? And so that prepares us for what comes next then. Recognize and confess that you are a sinful person. One of the best examples of that in the Bible is, is David. David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then, to cover it up, to try to cover it up, had her husband Uriah killed in, in battle. Guilty of some pretty good-sized sins, but he wasn't facing up to them. Until the prophet Nathan came to him, and Nathan used the rather elaborate story about a poor man who had one sheep and there was a rich man who had many sheep but this rich man took the poor man's sheep to use to feed his guest. David says, that was terrible. Uh, <clears throat> he was angry. And Nathan told him, 
you are the man. And then after some further explanation, David says, I have sinned against the Lord. He confessed. He recognized his sin. He confessed his sin. And what's the next statement in the Bible? Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. He led him to this to confess his sin. As soon as he confessed his sin, the Lord has put away your sin, and you're not going to die. Wow. What a load that lifted from, from David. What a load that can lift from us. Um, Isaiah had felt the same thing. When the Lord said, look, this has touched your lips, so your guilt is taken away and your sin is forgiven. That's what he wants to lead us to, to see our sin, to confess our sin, uh, <clears throat> and be able to tell us, like he told Peter, have no fear. And from now on, you will be catching people. Turn him around, and now you've got a calling. You've got something else to do. You've got some important work in this world to do. Follow Jesus. And so, the other what now is receive forgiveness and follow the Lord. And this completes then the process of forgiveness. Well, not completes it because it's an ongoing work. Uh, <clears throat> after first telling Jesus, go away from me, then he left everything and followed him on the basis of that forgiveness. Uh, <clears throat> confronted, Jesus with, confronted Peter with his greatness, led him to see his sin, and then showed him complete forgiveness. That changed him, changed his life, and it can change ours. You don't have to wait for a miracle like a big catch of fish. You can look around and see the greatness of God around you. And then recognize in that comparison that you are sinful, confess your sins, and then receive forgiveness. That's what we do at the beginning of every service. For that very reason, to be able to lead us through that process of repentance and turning and following Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> yeah, Jesus has led us to see, can, see his greatness, his compassion, his forgiveness, his call. Praise him for his greatness. Praise him for his compassion. Praise him for his forgiveness and praise him for his call to service to him. Amen.